Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. They were looking for answers to life. They were empty. You see, God puts within you, when you were created, a desire to know Him. And until you find a true relationship with God, any other thing, any other substitute, even religion, is simply a dead end. John the Baptist, the reason they came, he was offering, well, he was offering hope. Planted deep within each and every one of us is a desire and longing for ultimate love, peace, and perfection. Unfortunately for many, the search to fulfill either of these desires leaves God at the very bottom of the checklist. The reality is that the hole we seek to fill in our hearts can only be filled by fellowship with God. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark reflects on the Israelis at the time of John the Baptist who were faced with this same exact desire. In our message, we learn how the dead religion of Judaism had taken its toll on the hearts of thousands who longed for hope. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 3, with his continuing study entitled, Real Christian, Prove It. Elijah was the first Old Testament prophet. And you're going to see this morning that John the Baptist dressed very similar to this Old Testament prophet. Look at verse 3. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah 700 years before. We find this in Isaiah 40 verse 3. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. You see, in the ancient world, in a, in a practical sense, when a king planned to visit a city, messengers would go out, and obviously the roads weren't paved or whatever. They would put dirt in the holes and, and, and make the roads straight and passable. And also these messengers would be a warning the people that the king was coming. So kind of get your yard ready, get yourself ready, make your place look nice, get, get your heart ready. And here comes, here comes the king. You, you want to get ready because the king rules. Well, John the Baptist was doing the same thing spiritually. He wasn't fixing the roads. By the way, in those days, they did a really good job of fixing the roads and it was really quick. I wish... Brevard County could learn some things from them. But John the Baptist was a forerunner. He was a messenger. He was the official herald of heaven. And he was announcing the Messiah's coming. And he was calling the people of the nation of Israel not to prepare the roads, but to prepare their dry and barren hearts. 
In other words, get your heart ready spiritually to receive this Messiah. Clear the road of your life. Clear the junk in your life. Clear the sin in your life that shouldn't be there so that when the Messiah comes, your heart is open to him. Now, how do you think John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom is at hand? Do you think John or Johnny said it like this? Well, if you'd like to repent, that would be nice. But if, if you don't, it's okay too. No problem. Oh, I don't think so. In fact, the word calling that you see in verse 3 means a sense of urgency. Actually, in the original language, it means he was commanding the people to admit they needed to repent. Now, what kind of clothes did John wear? First of all, let me tell you that John the Baptist wouldn't have been Esquire's best-dressed man of the year. Look at verse 4. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. If any of you, those of you that have been to Israel with us, and you're riding on a camel, you remember that? Man, that sucker hurt your bottom forever. It was rough. It was. Can you imagine? That's, that, no fleece. This is camel's hair. And he had a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. You see, his clothes identified him with the Old Testament prophet. He wasn't weird, but he was outfitted to live in the desert. That's who he was. He had to learn to live in the desert. So he could, well, he could relate to the common people. Today, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be wearing that. You see kind of the, John the Baptist, if you were John or Johnny this morning, you wouldn't look like that. You'd, you'd probably just have khakis on and maybe flips or whatever and a, and a t-shirt. Now, in deference to that, as he's out there in the wilderness, you'll see later that the religious leaders come with their long, flowing robes. So this is like a shock because these people are coming to listen to someone they can relate to. Now, what was his diet? Well, it's not fear factor. He didn't eat these locusts wild. Locusts. Were in Leviticus, if you look, they're clean, approved food for the Jews. And they were usually about, well, about three inches long, and you'd pick the legs and backs off and, and the wings and kind of gut them a little bit and, and roast them. And John, as he's in the desert, you know, he's not eating salsa and corn chips at the Mexican place. He's actually eating locust chips and dipping them in that honey, baby. That's what he's doing. You say, that's a weird diet. No, it's kind of good because it's lots of protein. It's very low fat. And instant energy, carbohydrates from the old wild honey. Now, if you were God and you're announcing the arrival of your son to the land of Israel, what city would you pick? Well, you'd obviously pick the city of Jerusalem. I mean, that's where all the people are. That's where the temple is. That's where, by the way, today, it's still the religious capital of the world. Well, he doesn't pick Jerusalem. He picks the sticks, the wilderness. Now, think about this. In the wilderness, who would go hear somebody dressed a little funky 
with a little locust leg or something in your teeth. And this guy's crying something like, repent. Who in the world would leave town to go do that? Well, look at verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. In the original language, the verse reads like this. From Jerusalem and the whole Judean countryside, streams of people constantly flowed to the wilderness to hear John the Baptist and his message. In fact, historians tell us that while John the Baptist taught and preached, 300,000 people came to hear him. 300,000. We usually have about 6,000 on a weekend. That's 50 weekends. Now, let me ask you a question. Why? Why? Why the impact of John's preaching? Why was it dramatic? Why would people, would the masses leave their cities, the comfort of the cities, walk many miles in the dusty desert to hear John the Baptist? One reason. They were dry, they were empty, they were barren, and they were bored. You see, the people had learned that the Jewish religion at this time, which was their religion, Oh, it was dead. Nothing wrong with the law. Nothing wrong with the Torah. It was fine. But because of traditions and hypocrisy, it's a waste of time going to church. You ever been in a church where that sounds exactly right? So they weren't interested in it anymore. They were looking for answers to life. They were empty You see, God puts within you, when you were created, a desire to know him. And until you find a true relationship with God, any other thing, any other substitute, even religion, is simply a dead end. John the Baptist, the reason they came, he was offering, well, he was offering hope. You say, Well, repentance isn't hope, is it? Well, sure it is. Because it removes you from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. Hope. Let me see if you remember the key point from last week's teaching. Don't look at your notes. Come on, let's just see now. God can, wants to direct our lives step by step. God can and wants to direct our lives step by step. Last Monday morning, I'm doing my walk. And my sunglasses on, individuals stop me. I'm walking this way and he's walking that way. He says, are you the pastor of that Calvary church over there? I said, yeah. He says, I visited there. You're like between Charles Stanley and Chuck Swindoll. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you very much for the compliment. I'm not even close, but that's all right. And I said, well, do you, do you come to the church? No. And he went into details, which I won't go because I'm hoping he's here this weekend. There was an issue in the family. And he says, you know, where I go, it's dead. It's boring. Nothing happens. There's no life. There's no change in people. And, and I don't know what to do. I said, let me give you an idea. You can come here on Saturday night. And you can go to the church where your family goes. On Sunday morning. 
or vice versa. Go with them on Saturday night or whatever. In other words, just get under the sound of the word somewhere. Come, just come, learn. And I said to him, do you know why you stopped me this morning? Because you're hungry for God. He's a man, not quite as old as me, but he, he's looking for some meaning in his life. He stops me. And I said, it wasn't me that was the attention. God was getting your attention. You were searching for answers. God is your answer. And I took his hand and I says, let me pray with you right here on the street. Hallelujah. And we had a dance. No, we didn't. I'm not weird. I know I'll get an email. That's all right. I prayed to him. Here's what I said. If God's spoken to your heart, the next step is yours. You can hear what I said to you and do nothing about it. And next week you'll be exactly the same. Or you can try to do that. I said, we have many people that come to this church on Saturday night and go to their own church on Sunday morning. We have lots of people that do this. Or if I come Sunday morning, go Saturday night, whatever. And eventually God just finds them the church where they need to be. I said, don't, don't upset the apple cart. You just come and grow. And then I said to him at the end, do you realize how good God is? He cares about you as an individual. And he said, Pastor Mark, that only happens to guys like you. Wrong! If you expect it, God will do it in your life. It's not about me. It's not about this church. God was looking for somebody that's bored with life, looking for answers. That's why these people stormed out to see John the Baptist. Amazing to me. Yesterday, I was at the Strawberry Festival for a few moments. And I saw all these people, thousands of people, good neighbors, all our people from all over. And my heart went out as I saw the kids and the teenagers. You know, most of them don't have a clue about God. They don't have a clue about God. They don't understand anything I'm even teaching this morning because their parents never knew God. They're lost. So why did God have John out there? Three things. They're not on the overhead. You can write them. He was a voice. He was a voice. Secondly, he had an urgency. He had an urgency to hear his voice heard. And third, There was a passion in his voice. There was a passion for the lost. A voice, an urgency, a passion. You see, John's message should be taken to the streets today by all of us. That's why I said to you earlier, you are, you are John the Baptist. You are Johnny the Baptist. We have this incredible privilege of sharing the the message of hope, which starts with repent to our world here in Brevard County. By the way, at the Strawberry Festival, the choir was there. One of our praise bands was there. The mind team was there. Yeah. A voice of, of hope. You see... We have to be a voice. There must be an urgency. And there's got to be passion for the lost. That's why John was there. How many more strawberry festivals do we have? I don't know. This could be the last Easter. And think, have you even thought of inviting anyone? Well, Pastor Mark, it's kind of not my deal. Well, let me ask you, whose deal is it? Sure, it's your deal. 
And it's my deal. So begin praying about it now. That's what John was talking about. That's why people flock, because masses of people in our community need to know God. You know, when I, I finished this lesson, someone just stopped me this morning. They said, we had a, a guest here last night from one of the Scandinavian countries. And her comment at the end of the service, in a generic term, was this. Basically, I've gone to church all my life. I've never heard anything like that ever in my church. Well, what they haven't heard is what the people did. Look at the next verse, verse 6. Confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan. You see, in order to receive help, people must first acknowledge they are sinners and that they cannot solve their sin problem themselves. Well, you know the verses, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Let me be very clear to you this morning. The teaching of Jesus, the teaching of John the Baptist, the teaching of Peter, the teaching of Paul, is heavily based in repentance. First message from Jesus, repent. First message from Peter, repent. You watch Christian TV today. You listen to many, 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 many sermons, good churches. You won't hear the word repent, and you will not hear the word, it's the S word, sin. You won't hear it. Why? They say it doesn't sell. Don't watch with the, a negative eye. You watch with the discerning eye. And here's what you hear. Most of the teachings, how to make sure you're a better person, how to solve your family problems. By the way, we believe in that. We just did a whole series on that, forgiveness and whatever. But remember, the end of that, being free, means now i got to go serve. That's another S word you don't hear too much. So you, you won't hear, you, you, well, Pastor Mark, you, in the churches, you, and, and I get new stuff all the time. Here's what you want to do. Don't, don't mention sin. Now, you can allude to it, but don't mention the S word. What do you mean, don't mention the S word? Notice what John the Baptist says. Confessing their sin. You're born a sinner. If I don't do something about it, I die and go to hell. I need to do something about it. Now, we don't preach fire and brimstone. Every day you come in here and go, burn, 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 burn. <laughs> but can you imagine going to church your whole life and never know how to become a Christian? Here's what you hear in many, many churches. And I'm, many churches are very good. Don't, don't get me wrong. Many churches are very good. But here's often what you hear at the end of a broadcast. When I'll just ask Jesus to come into your life and, and pray the Spirit. God, come into my life. Thanks. And, and I'll find a great church. And God bless you. Have a great life. What? Where's the sin? Where's the being sorry? Where's the repentance? There is none. So be careful. Be careful. We have to be balanced in what we present. John the Baptist says, first you got to admit you're a sinner. If you can't admit you're a sinner, it isn't going to happen. And you're going to see these religious people say, we're not sinners. Now, if they would admit their need and confess... Then John the Baptist would baptize them. Now, what happens after they were baptized? They confessed their sin, and that didn't mean they went back 24 years and listed every sin. No, just a general thing. God, I know I sinned against you. That's my nature. It separates me. I'm sorry. And by the way, 
baptism was being dunked. It was baptismal. It means immersed. They weren't sprinkled, if you were sprinkled, whatever. It means immersed. Well, what happens to the Jewish person that comes all the way from Jerusalem, confesses his sins or her sins, and they're dunked in the water, come up by the water. Here's how they come up. Man, I'm wet now. I've got to walk all the way back to Jerusalem. Why in the world did I do that stupid thing? Repent. It's kind of a negative term. I thought this John Baptist was a neat cool, but I had to say my sins in front of those people. Man, I feel horrible, and I'm never going back again. No. Repenting and being baptized was the most joyous thing that ever happened in their life. Before they'd been dry, at least now they're wet. Their life is filled with peace. Why? Because the guilt is gone. You can't be good enough to get rid of your guilt. Now, the next verses I have on the New Living Translation, and I'm going to go through them with you. So just look up here on the screen. Let me give you a little clue, preface to it. Look at me for a moment. With all these people coming, there was a change in Jerusalem. Uh, The services at the synagogue were down considerably in attendance. Why? Well, who's going to go to the synagogue when you can go hear Johnny the Baptist? So the whole group's going out there. So the religious leaders, well, they're going to come too. So you have the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But remember, these people were notorious in the traditions. They really didn't even know God, and Jesus is going to speak to that. Judaism was totally dead. And besides that, they were incredible hypocrites. They didn't live at all what they even said they should have been living. So here they come. Look what John the Baptist says. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees, the Jewish religious leaders, coming to be baptized, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming judgment? Well, prove by the way you live that, that you have really turned from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say, we're safe. We're the descendants of Abraham. Notice what John the Baptist says to these religious leaders. That proves nothing. In fact, he says, God can change these stones here in the children of Abraham. What is is John doing? Here's exactly what he's doing. It brings up point number three. Repent now. It has to be a spiritual heart change. Not some kind of physical deal with a church, listen, or a family. I want you to listen very carefully to me. John was attacking the established religious concept. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark reflected on the longing and desire for ultimate peace, love, and belonging that each of us yearns for in life. Rather than chasing after countless dead ends through religion and worldly ways, Pastor Mark taught us the one and only way to true fulfillment. In our message, we learned that the only way to fill the unique hole in our hearts is through the Son of God. Maybe you're listening right now, and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will address a false doctrine that's widely believed throughout churches worldwide. In our message, we'll learn about the dangerous belief that salvation can come through church membership or family ties. Reflecting on the belief system of the Pharisees in Judea, Pastor Mark reminds us that salvation can only come through acceptance of Christ and the work of the cross. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.